Recording live, back in the lucky number seven lounge in the basement of Dine Drink Travel World Headquarters in the barren wastelands of far west Texas, this is Dine Drink Vegas, the podcast by and for everybody who's stuck at home but would rather be in the land of neon lights and bad decisions. And you are listening to episode number 12. In this episode, we talk about digital Danny Ocean and his Moscow minions dealing the Bellagio and the rest of the MGM resorts a dastardly hand and chat GTP dealing us an even more dastardly drink of the day. But before we get into either of those topics, you know that it is time for us to welcome in the founder of Dine Drink Travel himself, the leader in the luxury lounge, the king of comps, the high roller of the high plains, the man who is always waiting for that limo to take him to the next resort. It's Bill. Come on in, Bill. No, I, I don't want to come in, John, because I'm looking at this drink of the day and I'm frankly terrified. What is this that you've made for us and why did you do it? Okay, so I went to a um, to a training for my profession and the subject of AI came up and I, I, I got very, very, very fascinated and I've been playing around with some of the things that, that AI platforms can do really well and thought, let's let ChatGTP build our cocktail recipe for the drink of the day. So I entered into chat GTP that I wanted a rum based drink because pirates, right? Uh, to commemorate MGM resorts getting hacked by the Russians. Now, two things happened. Uh, number one, uh, autocorrect transformed MGM to mom as I hit the, the, uh, button. And two, um, Chat GTP, if you're a bartender and you are worried that AI is going to take your job. Not today. Yeah. Let, okay. So first of all, here's what Chat GTP said back to me. It said, I'm sorry to hear that your mom got hacked, but let's create a cybersecurity themed cocktail to lighten the mood and celebrate her resilience. Here's a cocktail recipe called the Firewall Fizz. Now, let me read the ingredients first. Two ounces of dark rum, an ounce of blue curacao, half an ounce of lime juice, half an ounce of uh, grenadine, and an ounce of coconut rum. All right. Now, first of all, there's nothing fizzy in this. However, I will point out that in cocktail history, a fizz predates the ready availability of carbonated beverages. And what it referred to is sours that might use something like uh, egg white in them. And when you shake, when you dry shake a drink with egg white, it gets very foamy. And in this drink, I think Chat GTP assumed that the uh, coconut cream would do the same thing. And and in that regard, I don't think Chat GPT assumed anything. I well, think Chat GPT hates us. Maybe in that regard, though, I, I've got to say, like there is a foaminess to the finished thing because what you do is you shake it. Now it did not tell me to dry shake before adding ice, but I did. Right, because that's what you do with a fizz. Um, and you shake all of that except the grenadine. You leave the grenadine out. You rim the chilled glasses in graham cracker. Now, that was my first red flag that this might go badly because the other ingredients, you can kind of see how maybe, I mean, they turn up in other cocktails to some degree or nothing. Anyway, um, what we have is a drink that. Um, if you're familiar with the toilet cleaner 
uh, tidy bowl. I would refer to this as untidy bowl. The graham cracker rim has a definite cat vomit appearance to it. And and how did your wife refer to this drink? <laughs> she called it Smurf Barf and then turned up her nose and literally left our house because she didn't want to be associated with this particular offense against God and man. So we've already had a sip. Ooh. But for the benefit of our listeners, <laughs> let's do this again and, and provide some tasting notes. It tastes like I've lost hope. I know oh. ex- I know exactly what this tastes like. Oh, sadness? Prison punch? What? It tastes like cherry NyQuil and Phillips Milk of Magnesia. If ever as a child you played around in your parents' or grandparents' medicine cabinet making quote-unquote potions, something my cousins and I would occasionally do and and come up with things that were lucky never required our parents to call poison control. Look, it was the 80s. We did dumb things. It's what we did. It's how we Um, rolled, yes. Yeah, this, this may be the worst alcoholic beverage I have ever put to my lips. And I grew up drinking Mad Dog. Yeah. Um, this is... Uh, this makes me yearn for the battle days of college when you drank literally whatever you could get. Yeah, I, I, I would take sobriety over this, to be honest. Oh, like, gladly. But you've got to have something to wash the taste out of your mouth. I think the real upshot of this is that like technology is a horrible bartender and before you mix a drink you should rely on the judgment of somebody who at least might possibly be able to taste it yeah no and and this like actually you know what i think this would be good for uh throwing at your enemies forcing all of the hackers who did this to mgm to drink these twice a day for the next 10 years as punishment there there are cruel and unusual statutes in this country sir and this is my goodness, I'm trying to figure out how long I'd have to be in prison before drinking one of these would be a good idea. Yeah, no, there's not, no, there's, no. Um, oh, oh, in the soft graham cracker, when you, oh, no. So mm. here's the thing, folks. It just to, gets worse. Oh, to honor God. the theme of being pirates, what we did was um, we also poured ourselves a grown-up drink. And, John, I insist we now move to the grown-up yeah. drink. No, I, I, before we get to the good rum, I, I do have some vitamin water because I, I got to get this out of my mouth. I do want to give the listeners, though, chat GTP did leave us these closing remarks on the recipe. It says, remember to drink responsibly. Well, this cocktail will help because nobody's getting overserved on this. No. And if you have concerns about cybersecurity, take the opportunity to educate and protect yourselves from potential cyber threats. Um, I wish I'd protected myself against this threat to my taste buds. All right. Yeah, no, it's just not good. So what we did was poured another rum drink. We just poured some Florida Kanye 12-year-old rum, which <sighs> tastes like a good thing. It's not like the best rum in the world. Their 18 or 25-year-old is. But you know what? It at least is slowly getting that horrible, horrible Smurf barf taste out of my mouth. Yeah, I am thankful for this vitamin water that I'm using as a palate cleanser because there is, there is, there's, there's no, there's no scenario where I finish this thing that I made. And uh, I think we're firing Chat GTP as our bartender for now. Is is the universe trying to get back at me for some mistake I made in Vegas or perhaps something unkind I did to one of my friends? I I, I, I don't. 
I don't honestly know, but I'm pretty sure I didn't deserve this, so... So you must also have been bad in Vegas. Uh, well, you know, if I was bad in Vegas, what happens in Vegas is supposed to stay in ba- Vegas, Bill, but apparently... But we asked ChatGPT to send it to us. Yeah, but apparently the uh, the Russian troll farms have other ideas in mind, so it, listeners, by now you're bound to know... That there have been cybersecurity breaches uh, at both Caesars and MGM. Caesars paid, MGM did not, which led to a whole series of catastrophes. So before we walk through everything that went wrong and our thoughts on the matter, Bill, why don't you give everybody an update on where we stand on this uh, Monday, the what, the 25th? The 25th, yes. Uh, As we record. So where is MGM now? somewhere like 10 days into this debacle. So I am on the MGM webpage now, and listeners, stay with me. I'm going to click sign in. And wait, no, that link is working. Nope. MGM reward accounts are currently unavailable. So you still can't log into your rewards accounts. Um, And that's the experience I've had for at least the last couple of days. I'm assuming that's not a transitory thing right now. So without being logged into my account, let me see if I'm able to book a room. To book a hotel reservation, please visit it here, and it gives me a link to click or call 877-353-1987. Um, if you're a hosted, a hosted member, call your casino host for all other guests. Click the button below, so they give me two different buttons to click. Let's try that one. That looks fairly normal, and what I'm going to do, John, because we're going to talk about Formula One later on in today's broadcast... I'm going to try to book something for Formula One weekend, which the race is on Sunday the 19th. So let me try something for Wednesday the 15th of November to Tuesday the 21st. Done. Las Vegas, Nevada. So I'm getting prices on hotels. So the good news is it appears they've got some functionality, but you can't link it to your rewards account, which means you can't get any of your comps or your discounts. You can't see what your status is. You can't do any of those things right now. So their website is better than it was a week ago, but it is still not fully functional, particularly particularly for rewards credits. So, yeah. John, has that been what your experience has been? Yeah, and, and, and that begs the question, if you have any sort of status at all, why would you book right now? I, I wouldn't, right? Like, even if you've just got an account, they'll give you a 15% discount. What I'll be curious to see is what kind of impact this has on long-term prices there. Mm. Yeah, because there's two schools of thought. One is they're they're losing a lot of money. So it would behoove them to not give discounts to make that money back. But they're also ticking off a lot of guests. So it would behoove them to offer good deals in order to get us back. And I don't know which way they're going to go on that. Um so, and I want to get into the debate whether or not they 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 should have paid. But let's let's lay out a couple of things first. So let's talk about the extent of the hacking, right? So for several days, they went through scenarios where most of the slot machines were not functional at all. Um, and once they got some of the machines up and running, the Tito tickets, ticket in, ticket out machines, where you cash out, were down, which meant. Let's say you put in $20 and you gave it some spins and you didn't win anything and it was 88 cents a spin on dancing drums and you got down to, I don't know, 57 cents and hit cash out. The thing that popped up on the screen was hand pay, see attendant. 
Wow, a fifty-seven cent hand paint. Yeah, which and and, and first of all, um, I'm a little apoplectic about this because, and granted, I'm not a very big gambler. I don't risk big amounts of money, so um, I've never had a hand pay. So part of me is happy that I haven't been to Vegas during this window because this sounds like a colossal pain in the rear end. On the other hand, if I were there, uh, yeah, I, I would be able to say I've had a hand pay no matter how poorly I did. And that would be kind of nice. It, it would, but I think it'd still be enough of a pain in the butt. So what do we know about how well slot machines and such are working right now? So apparently, and I believe this was as of at some point during my uh, conference trip over last week, I want to say about Thursday night or Friday, everything was up and running within the casinos. They got everything up and running in most places by Tuesday or Wednesday, except Excalibur, because hilariously, they left Excalibur to be the last one fixed because... <laughs> Screw the dirty castle, uh, but eventually because they how got, much money yeah. were they really making off of Excalibur? Right. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, you know, um, you know. Listen, I'm a low roller, and I can make fun of most of the people the Excalibur. The one listener we have who likes the Excalibur just clicked out. This is why we don't have an audience. Um, although I, I do, you know, I kind of enjoyed hanging out in Excalibur our last trip, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, everything's up and running now, except the reward system. Uh, you and I were both looking forward to seeing how the craps machines, the bubble craps, were going to treat us for uh, future offers, which should have been hitting about now and obviously aren't. There's no time frame on that. So, yeah, this, this, they're almost back to normal in terms of them being able to separate people from their money. But in terms of people being able to get some value back for that money through rewards, yeah, that's not happening. And and for me, if I was able to go to Vegas right now, even though I very often stay with MGM, yeah, I wouldn't right now. No, absolutely not. Not until they get their business together. And I'm kind of curious about what sort of impact this has on Caesars, because on the one hand, they were also hacked, right? So guests know that they're a target. But on the other hand, they seem to have resolved those issues much more quickly. So uh, according to Vital Vegas, which let's be honest, if you if you just listen to us, and I'm going to cost us listeners again, if you only listen to us to get Vegas news, um, we still 90% of our news from Scott at Vital Vegas. So you should really follow him on Twitter or Facebook. You can yes, read his we blog. we have horrible drinks while we talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I will say this. Like, I listen to Scott's podcast. I doubt he listens to ours. He doesn't know we exist. I, I, I can confidently say this. Our podcast is better than Scott's. I listen to Scott's. I do. I, I listen to several Vegas podcasts, uh, including including his. Uh, 360 Vegas, uh, Food and Loathing in Las Vegas, I, uh, on the corner of Main Street from the Plaza. I, I think we're better at podcasting than Scott, uh, mostly because he tells you in the middle of the podcast he doesn't care about the podcast. But if you want to keep up with news, like we're secondhand. We're getting it mostly from him and a few other sources. Anyway, Caesars, apparently the the hackers wanted $30 million. Caesars offered 10, which the hackers took, and that was the end of the attack. Now, here's the tidbit. 10 million is what the insurance company was willing to cover. So other than slightly increased premiums, which I'm sure will come right. for having a claim, uh, mm. Caesars is not actually out $10 million. MGM decided 
that they would apply the Reagan doctrine, which is we don't negotiate with terrorists. So I want to get your thoughts on that because I have thoughts, but I, I, you know, you, you are more experienced in governmental and political things and, and being a, you know, a West Texan of the eighties, I have mentioned St. Ronnie and, uh, you know, that obviously evokes warm emotions for us. Apologies to my blue state listeners. Uh, but what are your thoughts on MGM's analysis here? to apply the Reagan doctrine of not negotiating rather than paying up like Caesars. So companies aren't nation states and they don't have the same set of obligations. So it's not what Caesars did isn't as bad as say when a country pays off a terrorist group. On the other hand, there is no chance that somebody isn't targeting Caesars right now, and it may very well be the same group. In the case of MGM, so I'm trying to decide if them not paying off makes the next attack less likely, and that's what I don't know. Um, I hate the notion of the hackers haven't gotten any money because that gives them funding to perpetrate the next attack. But ultimately, the interest of these large corporations, their responsibility is to their shareholders. And my best guess is that what Caesars did was a more responsible act towards those shareholders. Well, not just the shareholders. I get it. Companies are responsible to shareholders first and and customers second. But I think there is a bigger customer obligation here than I initially thought. And I don't mean customers like you and me. There's two piles of, of, of data data that we're talking about data is an android from star trek data is information all right there's two piles of data that that are important here and the first is personally identifying data including financial data and and that to me is not as large a deal because i have accepted the reality that none of us have private financial or personal data uh, I know in my own life, I have gotten emails or letters in the mail from financial institutions that I have a relationship with on at least three occasions informing me that some amount of my data was, you know, leaked in a cyber attack and sold on the, on the black web and the dark web. And I've had banks that have had to protect me from fraudulent transactions and they've always been happy to do so. I've been minorly inconvenienced by these sort of hacks, but nothing really terrible has happened to me. I feel like we do a pretty good job with that. Would you agree that far? So far, I guess I'm with you, sure. So here's the data that I think is a problem and why I think the obligation to the customer starts to kick in. And again, not for guys like you and me, right? Mm. There's the data of vice behavior in Las Vegas that these properties have right now. I'm not going to be a target of blackmail, right? I, the worst thing they're going to find about me is, you know, I bought a regrettable subway sandwich at one in the morning, the last Friday of September. And and it was deeply regrettable. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Like I'm not, I'm not gambling any amount of money. I, I, I can't afford to lose. I treat it like an arcade, yada, yada, yada. But let's be honest. There are clients in Vegas who live a good, healthy 10, 15 tax brackets above you and I, 
and who may have some tendencies and behaviors in Vegas that would be apparent in this data that might cause problems. So for instance, if your gambling cash in, cash out suggests that you make more money every year than you report to the IRS, that's information you don't want to get leaked. If you're checking into hotel rooms with somebody other than your spouse, that is information you don't want to get leaked. If your concierge or casino host has escorted private <clears throat> entertainment that I'm sure didn't violate the laws of Clark County, but nonetheless, <laughs> there's a paper trail for that, and you happen to be an athlete, an actor or actress or a CEO of a company or a politician, that's information you wouldn't want to get leaked. So I don't think for the average person going to Vegas, this data loss is a risk. But there's a lot of people in that are going into these particular entities, Caesars and MGM, who are not average people. And they've got data that I think might be worth the ransom money for these properties to protect. And I think that's an equation Caesars understood. I don't think MGM well, so the question, though, is whether or not that data was already gone, because at that point, the hackers had access to the system, and your principal concern is about protecting the guest experience, and that's where it does impact people like you and me. Has MGM talked to uh, at all about what they're going to do to make things right for the guests whose vacations were ruined? Because if it takes you four hours to do everything and everything's a hand pay and you can't pay, pay by a credit card at any of the restaurants and, 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 at some point you have not got the vacation experience you've paid for. Has MGM talked about what they're going to do for the guests who were on their property during the attack? So the one thing they did announce is that if you wanted to, to cancel your trip and, and you know, for a lot of folks, it's not like they can just cancel and rebook, but maybe they could stay at another property and, and walk away without any fees. They would let you do that, which, duh, they had to do that. But let's be honest, right? When you suddenly have thousands of Vegas guests, because, I mean, these MGM resorts are huge, mm. potentially tens of thousands of Vegas guests who suddenly want to abandon their reservation at an MGM location and go to Caesars or some other property, the laws of supply and demand are going to kick in. And we saw this rates at non-MGM properties spiked almost immediately. So you probably were going to, if you decided, okay, I'll cancel because MGM's a cluster right now and I'll just go on down the road, it'll be fine. You were almost certainly not getting the same deal you had booked at MGM. And you and I have talked about this. One of my baller on a budget secrets is to book far in advance. The closer you get to your trip, with some exceptions, because we're going to talk about Formula One in a little bit, but for the most part, the closer you get to your trip, the price is probably going up. Right. So if you're already feet on the ground... And thousands of people are trying to make it from Bellagio over to Caesars. Those room prices at Caesars are going to escalate pretty quickly. So that 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 well, is not making you anywhere near right. And even the uh, part of the equation, which is just the Bellagio side or the MGM side of things, I mean, it could still take several hours to talk to somebody to cancel in the first place. And as, and as you pointed out, if you're already there, I mean, what if you'd already checked in? So it's, I will really be curious to see what MGM's customer service response is to this. 
cause it can't simply be, meh, we let you rebook if you wanted. Well, I, I, I mean, I guess it could, but that's got to hurt them in the bottom line, I would think. I mean, you do have choices in Vegas. and I, But on the other hand, I say that, but you and I, you know, when MGM redid their reward system, you and I both took a hit in our status in their system. They made it very, very clear that people who spend the amounts we spend were not as valuable to them as we used to be. Like at one point, you got to platinum and I got to gold, and under the new rules, that ain't happening. No, we're both pearl, maybe. Yeah, well, I'm pearl all the time because I have their stupid credit, credit card. card. Otherwise, um, actually, this year I would have made pearl with on my own. I did get that far, but I'm not getting back to gold the way they're running these points these days. So when they redid their 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 system. They made it very, very clear that play at a level like ours and stay at a level like ours uh, isn't worth as much to them as it used to be. And as a result, you and I still will book trips at MGM properties, but we're not loyal to MGM in the way we used to be. And in fact, for a little while, we were like, forget those guys. We're staying other places. We've forgotten pretty quickly because they have some wonderful properties with some phenomenal restaurants and entertainment and sometimes they got what you want right so i I don't know that in the long run and what what worries me is they've already got data that proves they can survive a short-term hit to customer loyalty because they've won us back before they may be thinking they'll do it again well as long as there's a good sale or something yeah 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 cool so what else we have going on in vegas well, uh, we didn't have a lot of other news because I felt like this was sort of all-consuming, but you did bring up uh, Formula One, and in our last episode, we talked about even Ellis Island getting in on the act with a $5,000 package uh, to uh, stay at Ellis Island's lovely, lovely circa 1970s hotel rooms and to get a view of the race. What's happening to F1 prices? Are they creeping up on us as we get closer to the race? So, no, this is defined the normal laws of Vegas, and those prices are going down. It appears that people simply aren't as interested in Formula One as Vegas had originally anticipated. So my original results have gone off the screen, but I'm on the MGM webpage now without any sort of discount, without even the ability to log in. And let's see what rates are. I looked at it. So the race is on Sunday, November the 19th. So for the dates of November 15th through 21, a six-night stay, because you're going to go do a big, expensive thing, because Formula One's your thing. Yeah. Right? So um, Excalibur, uh, the Dirty Castle, is still just $139 a night. Now, that's not a place where you can see the race from your hotel, but still, that's $139 a night. Luxor is $209 a night, and that's before any sort of discount. Bellagio for those six nights is $1,126 per night. So it's pricey, and it makes sense that it would be pricier because you can see the um, the race from there, but that's, not, that's still nothing like the rates that were originally charged. So let me click on the Bellagio and see what particular rooms cost for that week. Hey, what do you know? Wait, can, it's not letting me pull up individual Struggling. rooms. Struggling. Okay, so we eventually got to it. All the suites are gone. Like, all of the suites are gone. All they've got is regular rooms. All of the rooms with a view are gone. Um, and everything is basically the same price, right? $1,100-odd a night. So the Bellagio is still expensive, but less expensive than it was with lots and lots of rooms available. The New York, New York, 236 a night. The Cosmos, 1082 a night. 
So it's not that it's a good week to go to Vegas price-wise. The Vidara, where from parts of it you could see the Rays, it's just $496 a night. So it's um it's not that that's a cheap week in Vegas. It is most certainly not, but it's nothing like the prices they were talking about. And there are other hotels you can go to and not really notice anything at all. So let's let's play that out a little bit because <clears throat> what we said in the last episode was that for three nights at Ellis Island and a ticket to sit in their grandstands and watch the race, five grand. Just a seat for the sit in the grandstand is fifteen hundred. Now nobody's going to get under fifteen hundred for the seats in the grandstand because that's what F one is charging the venue, right? Okay. That's a break even number. But let's think about that five grand to do that at Ellis Island for three nights. Well, by what you're showing me for three grand, I could stay at Bellagio and I've got another two grand. Worst case, I'm schlepping over to Ellis Island to watch in their cheap seats. But I can probably find a grandstand seat for my $2,000. So that means that at this moment, I could book Bellagio for the same price as Ellis Island. And I am not as down on Ellis Island as a place to hang out and gamble as our buddy Mike. You didn't make that trip with us. Mike felt like he was in the, um, I don't know, the uh, back end of Texas truck stop gaming room rather than an actual casino. Was he wrong? Uh, I, I think it was a little bit better than that. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. And the odds were pretty good, and our buddy Zero won money on craps, and I won on a slot machine, and perfectly serviceable, small little casino. Not a hotel I'd want to stay in. If I can get a room at Bellagio and get seats to this race for the same price as Ellis Island, yeah, I'm doing that. Not, not, I'm not because I don't care about this race, but yeah, clearly the economics of that particular window has changed quite a bit. So I'm looking at the... um the ticket the formula one tickets directly on the formula one website no that's not i don't think that's a vegas race but that's almost no it's not so what i'm trying to do is direct from the vendor tickets to formula one ah las vegas okay so this is interesting on the formula one website the united states is one category and las vegas is another yeah that is kind of fascinating it, it is not the same thing so a hospitality ticket, the most expensive ticket I can find, is 7,552 euros for three days. And I'm not sure why that's priced in euros. Because that's the primary fan base for this, let's be honest. So roughly, what, nine grand? Uh, yeah, something like that. But that's a three-day ticket. Um, the relatively cheap seats for three days, so it's in SG1. I'm trying to see where that is. But you can get it for eighteen hundred and eighty-eight euros for three days. So call it seven hundred dollars a day. So let me click select on that. Yeah, views of turns five, six, and seven. And Ellis Island is turn four, so right down the road. So it, yeah. So it's whatever tickets aren't going for the prices they thought they were going to go for. Yeah, yeah. So if that is an itch you just want to scratch. And it was just a little beyond your reach a month or two ago. You should circle back and and look. Oh, not circle back. It's not NASCAR. <laughs> you should snake your way back. You could turn right and left in these races and uh, see what they have for you. Well, Bill, I think that's probably going to do us for this time around, unless you've got anything for the good of the order or the order of the good. Uh, the only thing I have to say for the good of the order is, ladies and gentlemen, please don't let ChatGPT make your drinks. Let 
let some random dude off the street pour you some of his horrible vodka he was able to steal from the store. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Some, uh, you know, Strawberry Hill wine would have been a better choice than this. Truly awful, awful alcohol. But let's talk about some great online social media. Bill, where the, can they find us? You can find us at Dine Drink Vegas on Facebook, on Twitter, on, I'm sorry, X, I guess it's called now, on Instagram, and most importantly, on YouTube. All right, and we will keep making content, so please keep watching and listening, and we will see you next time. Safe travels, everybody.